in this series on the missional church, each week I'm going to give you a homework assignment. And we'll start off the, the next week, we'll start off our next class with how you did on the homework assignment. So, these, this was last week's missional homework, um, so we'll see if any of you did it. Uh, if so, we can talk about it. And if not, um, good things to think about. Even if you didn't do it, it'd be a really good thing to think about as well. But before we go any further, I'm going to pray and ask that God would bless our time. God, again, thanks for meeting us at the table. Thanks for being in our conversation and reminding us as we are in community uh, that you also exist in community and you are near to us and you can be found. Thank you for the incarnation. Thank you for the ways that, that you stepped into our world, set us an example, showed us how to live, but also showed us who you are, who God is. So teach us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, the two-part homework from last night was who or what? What was that? Last week. Last week, thank you. Yeah, teacher mode, seriously. Um, identify at least two people groups or geographical locations in your city or neighborhood to which you, uh, God is looking to send someone. So we'll start there. Were you able to identify any place that God wants to send someone? Or any group of people? Yeah, that's, that's a great place to start. Say, where, where does God tug my heart? And yeah, stories of kids who can't help themselves or are forced to help themselves. Listen to that. Lean into that. For me, for this first part, um, the geographic location for me, Centennial Lakes. Don't know exactly why or what that means, but I know that that's a place that God has put on my heart. That's why I keep bringing that up. Um, and when it comes to people groups, I love speaking Spanish. And so that's, that's a group of people that are on my heart, Spanish speakers. And that's a huge group. But for now, that's how I would answer that, the first question. Also, kind of like Kathy, don't know quite what to do with either of those yet, but those are the things that God is starting to put on my heart. How about the second one? Areas in your life that may need to change for you to be able to say, here am I, send me. These are good questions to think about. We'll keep moving on to new material. So last week we talked about the, the word missional. Um, coming from missio in Latin, meaning sent or send. Uh, and so when we're talking about missional, it's talking about our direction, um, where we're going. God is ascending God, uh, and we are his sent people. Um, so it's, it's our direction. Tonight we add the word incarnational. So we're talking about missional, incarnational living. The incarnational is, talks about not, um, not the, the where but it talks about how we go, as we are being missional. How do we do it? Um, and it talks about what we do as we go. As we talk about the incarnation, now this is an incarnational. Uh, this is, if it had a capital letter there, it would just be a capital I incarnation. When we talk about the capital I incarnation, 
Uh, we're talking about how Jesus came to earth. I love John 1.14. The message reads this way. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The most literal translation is God, the, the Word became incarnate, put on flesh, and tabernacled among us. So it does have that idea of, of dwelling. It's the same word that's used uh, in the Old Testament when uh, before they had settled in the promised land uh, and they were moving from place to place with the ark where God existed was in the tabernacle. So the word became flesh, tabernacled among us. The way Eugene Peterson puts it, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary, one of the first names or titles that he gave Jesus, or he said would be Jesus' names, Emmanuel, God with us. It's crucial to understand who God is, who Jesus is specifically. Part of that is understood in the incarnation, that God didn't want to stay remote and distant, not just God the Creator, not just the God who spoke to the prophets, but the God who would come and live among us. Tabernacle among us, move into the neighborhood. We learned some other things about God. John's, John's Gospel has lots of instances of the word sent or send. Um, that's why we're spending more time there in John than other places over these first three weeks. I love this verse. This is a verse that I memorized this week. John twenty twenty one. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. This is Jesus speaking. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So I see that word as. Um, not just being... Because God sent me, I'm sending you. I think there's supposed to be some similarity. In the same way that God has sent me, in the same way that God the Father sent Jesus to the world, in this same idea of incarnation, of the Word becoming flesh, taking on flesh and blood, becoming a human being, and moving into the neighborhood, pitching His, his tent among His people, as the Father sent Jesus... Jesus is telling his disciples, in the same way that God did that to me, I'm going to do that to you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. So it's not only a good theological thing to understand when it comes to God and, and who Jesus is, but it's also certainly related to missions and missional living, this missional, incarnational activity. We recognize that we are sent, and as we are sent, we are sent in the same way that God the Father sent Jesus. That's what it means to be incarnational. So, let's unpack that idea. I'm going to give you two words, proximity and presence. Proximity and presence. First of all, proximity. We cannot demonstrate Christ-likeness at a distance from those we are called to serve. If I really want to know that I want if I really want Eric to know that Jesus loves him. If I try to tell him over here, it's going to feel like I'm yelling at him. 
Jesus loves you! <laughs> you know? And that may not come across real well. And that's a lot of how evangelism has been done. And sometimes it works really well. Because that's always a really good message. Jesus loves you. But when I'm saying it loud because I have to feel like I'm heard, um, it's not nearly as effective as me coming alongside and saying, you know what, Jesus loves you. And, and doing it closely, doing it in a relationship, being near to. God thought it was important enough to communicate who He truly was that we have that passage from Philippians. Philippians 2 where Jesus did not see equality with God as something to be grasped or clung to, to held on to. So he laid that aside. Instead, he took up, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to, to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So, Jesus decided not to stay in heaven where he had been from eternity past. He decided to come close and be God with us. Proximity. God had sent his prophets to speak for God. But still God was speaking at a distance. When Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, God had wanted to have a face-to-face relationship with all of Israel. But when they saw Moses had come down and his face was glowing and he had the Ten Commandments, they said to Moses, No, we don't want to talk to God. You do the talking to God for us. We don't want that sort of divine contact because that scares us. So Moses continued in that role. God wanted a face-to-face relationship. That takes proximity. It also takes presence. Not just being near, but being with and being for. There's this idea of identification and surrender. It's, it's again what we see in Philippians 2. Jesus gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Jesus was able to identify with us. Hebrews tells us that in every way, Jesus can identify with what with us and with what we're going through. There is that identification. That's part of the incarnation. And there's certainly the surrender. Though Jesus was God, He did not think of equality with God something to cling to or to grasp. Instead, He gave up His divine privileges. Identification and surrender. So for us, the idea is to be with and for. So what might it look like, to use Kathy's example from from earlier, what might it look like for us to be really with and for poor kids? Kids who live, are growing up in really rough circumstances where they don't have enough food to eat. Where a four-year-old needs to take her two-year-old sibling to the store to get something to eat. 
if we're going to live like Jesus, we need to wrestle with some of these questions. What would it look like for me to identify with that sort of family? What would it look like for me to come near, develop some proximity? What would it look like for us to also generate some presence, for us to be with them and to be for them in a way that's deeper and more challenging than here you go kid here's a $10 gift card to Cub doesn't matter that there's not a Cub within 5 miles but here you go you know th- that that's a good start and doing that is better than doing nothing but the incarnation says it's not about just saying here hope that works out for you it's God taking on flesh and moving into the neighborhood identifying with us everything that we were tempted with that we have been tempted with, Jesus was also tempted with, and yet he was without sin. To live as a missional church, we need to wrap wrap our mind around how Jesus came to earth. And in this incarnation, see some models for how we then do church and do life. This starts to get really messy. Incarnation is messy. But it's how Jesus came to save the world. He could have done it lots of other ways, but this is how he chose to do it. Actually taking on flesh. Actually being born. Coming into the world that messy way. Growing up. Growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Doing all those things as a good little Jewish boy. That's what Jesus did so that he was able to be near those people that he truly loved. And he figured out ways to be with them, for them, with us, and for us. So, if someone tomorrow asks you, so what would you do last night? You can say that you went to church. How would you describe to them the concept of proximity or presence? Could you put either of those ideas into your own terms? Yeah, that, that, that speaks to, to the presence thing. I, I can be near you. There, there are lots of people now at, at Rudolph. My last day is Monday if things go according to plan. They kept me over one more day because I missed Thursday. It's <sighs> so close. Um, there are lots of people that I spend 40 hours a week with. So I have proximity to them. But we don't have that presence of relationship. I've never been to their house one guy I've been in his car because we went to lunch once and we sat in silence most of the way. Um, awkward. Um, and, and so proximity doesn't automatically generate presence. Okay, so they're different. I, li- I like what you've said so far. And no, it, one of the things that I love about this idea of missional church is it really lowers the bar for me growing up the idea of missionary was going to Africa. You know, it was going to the jungle, maybe even Brazil. Because um, I, had, I had some people at our church who, who did that. And so that's what it meant to be a missionary. Now what this is doing is this is really lowering the bar. And it's saying, okay, being near someone. And interacting with them in ways that Jesus would have done had he been here. Jesus said to a couple tax collectors, I'm coming to your house. We're going to have dinner. And he invests himself 
in their lives. Proximity, presence. All right, how about the second one? Does this influence the way you think about where you live and how you live? Or could it? That, that, is, that is a really good one. And I'm going to say something that I don't want to sound too harsh because I think it's a great thing that has great results in it. It is making a difference in hundreds of thousands of kids' lives all throughout the world. But if you do feed my starving children, you do not have presence. You, you, you can develop a relationship with the people who are serving there and the people who are serving with you. But that's almost a little bit different than a missional, incarnational serving. What we're talking about here is longer-term investment, developing of relationships, so that we can live out a Jesus-like life to love and serve just as Jesus would. I have no doubt that Jesus likes the idea of serving it, feed my starving children. But it, for, for me, and I'll admit, I've never been. Um, I, I know, I'd like to. Um, for, for me, it... it there's a disconnect because I, I want to be able to serve someone. I, I know that Feed My Starving Children does a good job of, of connecting you to individuals and families and regions where this is going, and they tell stories of individuals. And part of the reason that they do that is so that you feel the, the presence, but it's very different than helping the two kids that live someplace in our town. Do you see, do you see the difference? I'm certainly not, I'm not meaning to say that we can't do that and that's not as good. That's still good. This is another thing. And this in some ways is more challenging. Would you say, Aaron, that that has proximity and presence? Any other responses to these two questions? Carrie and I want to live in a place that's got a neighborhood. We live in a townhouse where we've been there eight years. It'll, it'll be nine this fall. And there how our townhouse is laid out. You pull into the, the backside, there's a little pod, and there are eight garages that face this central area. You're, half of us, our front doors are facing the other direction. And I don't know everybody's name. I've been there for eight years, going on nine, and I know that they don't know mine. I know them by car, and I can wave to them, but we've never had a conversation. Um, and that's, that's really how it is. We have uh, friends who moved into a different part of the, the complex are on the other side. Um, and they said it's kind of the same way in their <coughs> pod. People don't really know each other. People don't really talk to each other. It's not a friendly neighborhood. It's a little bit weird. Okay, it's a lot weird. Um, and so part of what Carrie and I have been talking about is, A, how do we change that? And then, B, when do we get to move? Um, yeah, because there, there's something about being in a townhouse where you don't have to shovel, you don't have to mow, you don't have to deal with your neighbors if you don't want to. It's hilarious. That's entirely true. Our grass is about the square foot of these four chairs. <laughs> no, that's our yard. Um, so. Well, it's the same thing for Becca and I. I mean, in our community, it's the, yeah, we got interesting people that live in our community. I'll just say that. You know, it's it's ever changing, but at the same time, I mean, there is no. We have a connection with the with the old lady across the street. She's pretty nice, and then um, you know the the other couple that lives down towards the end of our little section of our townhouse that work for the twins. But other than that, it's not really much of anything. Our neighbors, <laughs> there's a complete and total disconnect there. Aside from the bass pumping through the walls at five in the morning, getting ready for high school. 
Other than that, <laughs> other than that, I mean, there's <laughs> there's a complete total disconnect. I mean, mm-hmm. but uh, to be honest with you, this isn't Christ-like with me at all. But I don't want to know these people. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I just don't. Is that like is that is it's, that wrong? I just, uh, I just, I just uh, don't. Is, 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 is that is that is that wrong? Yeah, our, <laughs> our neighbor kind of scares me, and I don't want to know. <laughs> See? Okay. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, like I'm not, I'm not gonna go to their door with a fruitcake and be like, you know, I, I just can't. Like these people are just right. Exactly. Nobody eats fruitcake anyway. But right. Just, but like, but like, at the end of the day, like, like, it's it's just one of those things where you're looking at this person, you're like, nah. No, there's nothing that's going to happen. Like, our next-door neighbor comes home drunk. He goes on the driveway drunk and washes his car, stumbling. It's it's just... It's just interesting. You know that... Yeah. Yeah. Say say that again. Right. <laughs> See, okay. I'm just saying he, he took. Well, no, we're not going to get involved. Yeah, because see, this this is when it gets real, and I'm glad I'm glad that we're having this conversation because that's not comfortable. No. And and it's also really super awkward to say, "Hi, I've been your neighbor for eight years. What's your name?" <laughs> right. My name's Greg. Hi. Um. Yeah, it's going to be really awkward, but m- one of my plans for this summer is to have a little something. We're not even going to invite people into our house. We've got the little pod. It'll probably be on, on the backside where everybody's you know, driveways and stuff match, meet up, and we'll probably grill some hot dogs, some hamburgers, and say, we just want you know, to, and we'll do, I will do it in, in the idea of like neighborhood unity and safety, that sort of stuff, kind of like night to unite block party and say that, that sort of thing. Say, you know what? I think it's really good that we know each other's first names. We know a little bit about each other. And, and then just start there. I'm not expecting to lead anybody to Jesus that first night. You, you know? And because if I really love them, I know that it's going to take time and that may never happen. And even if it doesn't, I continue to love them. You can always tell if they're a warm, sharing, caring person if they drive a Prius. <laughs> you might, you might be able to. Although I, I've met some really crunchy granola people who aren't that, aren't that, aren't that warm and fuzzy. Um, but you know, it's it's that sort of thing where uh, this can be inconvenient. Just start with prayer. I mean, sometimes I just feel like, hmm. Her dog. 
Yeah, yeah, why do you even call a cat? I don't know. Right. I think he just kind of, I mean, that's kind of where I started. I don't know if I have conversations with her, but. She would pick up the branches and put them in the big pile. So, you know, you pray for her and you just maybe think there's some opportunities. Will we ever have a big relationship? I can't see that we manage to but. No. But I, I've got this deep sense that if Jesus lived next to the people that I live next to, Jesus would know their names. And some people are really hard to get to know. Some people do that on purpose. And sometimes those are definitely the people who need us in their lives. Because you guys are good people. I'm happy that you are in my life. You add to my life. You have a lot to offer. One of the biggest things that you have to offer is Jesus. But you don't lead with that. You're also very caring people. You go out of your way for other people. And I know that some of you may start to think, well, if I go out of my way for everybody who's on my block, I don't know how to do that. So you start small. And, and that's, that's why talking to God and asking, okay, what sort of person, where, how do I start small in a manageable way? And then the other thing to remember is maybe you don't have someone, but you've got someone else here who might have someone, and you think, you know what, I would love to help out with the block party. I could grill. Greg, let me know when you're going to do that, and I'll help you grill. I might be asking. I don't know when we're going to do it, but, you know, and that sort of thing. You don't have to do this alone. If this is scary, we've got people here who will say, you know what, I'd love to support you in doing that. That's part of what it means to then be a missional community. Any other thoughts or comments on this one? These two? Yeah, one of my thoughts is just that if it's too weird or awkward for you to reach out to your Or your family, yeah. Or your family, or, you know, start there if you're not already being intentional about your relationships with other people. Um, I guess for me, you know, I'm the kind of person who will use any excuse to not do something. And so for me, like reaching out to the neighbors, eh, I just don't know if I'm ready. And so then I would do nothing. Um, and so figure out what, what you might be comfortable with. Start there. Start with somebody. Pick one person in your life. Somebody. I agree with that assessment. Yeah. She's pretty smart. It's all about baby steps. And like you said, you know, it can be really overwhelming. And this whole thing, this whole thought of being I'm one of the people who has been dragging my feet like, I don't want to do this neighborhood thing, Greg. Let's not do it. Like, I don't, we don't need to know our neighbors. And I think finally he's like, you know what, Gary, we're going to do it. And I said, okay.
And I do think at one point Carrie said, I don't want him in my house. <laughs> That's what she would say too, though. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? So it, it's, it's a way to figure out, okay, if, if this isn't comfortable, and if it's not comfortable for Carrie, for these people who have, some of them have been in this townhouse association for 30 years, if they've never invited us over, they might not be comfortable coming over to our house. So then I say, okay, we'll keep it on the paved area. We'll do it outside. You, that way, you know, because how many of you have ever felt like, you know, you, you go to visit to visit a church, and then afterwards there's coffee and donuts downstairs, and you think, I'm not going downstairs because I don't know when I'm going to get out. <laughs> I know some of you have been there. Maybe. Wow. So, you know, there, there is something about entering that intimate space before you're ready. This needs to be a public thing, and talking about our neighbors and our pod first, that needs to start very public. Because it'd feel really uncomfortable for me to, you know, pull up a, a chair with one of my neighbors and say, so, how are you? <laughs> you know, that's just not going to work when I, you know, five minutes ago I didn't know his name. It can't be that yeah, I mean, I mean, we had a good example of this the other day. Becca had two guys come to the door, and I wasn't there, and they were talking. They were doing some something similar to that, and they are trying okay. to figure out information yeah, about her. Weird. So how do we do this in a way that we don't weird people out? That secure presence and build a friendship first, and then like, you, then you. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Well, you get to know them a little bit, and then the more you get to know them, the more you can talk about them. True. And. It, it's going to feel awkward now that we've been there as long as we have. It would have been one thing had we moved in, and two weeks later we said, "Hi, I'm new here. What's your name?" Where the Ellis is. Where the Ellis is. Nice to meet you. Ellis is without an apostrophe, yeah. please. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Indeed. I'll make your burgers well done. It's all right, as long as we don't give anybody E. coli. All right. I do have homework for you, believe it or not. If it's going to advance, it may not. All right. First one. Ask yourself. This, this is where you start. Am I in close proximity to those to whom God has called me? So for, for me, one of those Hispanic people, Spanish speaking, I'm not in super close proximity to many. What will I do this week to encourage proximity? Identify one way to experience greater proximity and act upon it. So do you have people in your life that you feel drawn to? Are you in proximity? What's something specific you will do? And if one was proximity, the next one will be presence. Am I experiencing incarnational presence with those I live near? Do I identify and understand the fears and concerns of those around me? Proximity and presence. I understand I might be making you super uncomfortable. 
and I might be scaring you. That's part of my job. I need to stretch you beyond where we are now. Because God wants to do so much more through you than we're doing now. There are people in your lives that only you can reach. And if you're not even trying now, it's not going to happen. It's going to take a little bit more effort. It will take time. But you're not alone. We're doing this together. We're doing this as a community. And then the hope is that as we're living alongside these people, whoever it might be, as we're learning to serve them and love them, we'll figure out what next steps look like. For some of them, we may invite them to this service. Others may never get to that point. You may invite them to your own table for dinner, for some sort of study. You may do that there. You may not. They may never take you up on that sort of thing. But for some of them, it may just be that you are that person that they know when something happens, that you'll pray for them. And that's huge because people need that sort of person in their life. All right. I love the idea that every week you give Jesus to the person next to you. We do that at the table. The body of Christ broke. You already give Jesus to people. You already give Jesus away. Carrie and I were talking about this this week. If you could memorize this, if, if, if you're not good at, at praying off the top of your head for someone, but if they've got something going on in their lives and you say, can I pray for you? If you were to just pray this for them, think about what you would be offering them. You'd be asking God to bless them. You'd ask that God would look at them and smile. You'd ask that God would look at them, give them peace. That's a powerful thing. And so again, this, this is how we're going to close going forward. Not just me blessing you. It's not about me serving you communion. It's about us serving each other. It's about us being blessed, but also extending a blessing to our world. That's what it means to be incarnational. That's what it means to be missional. To recognize that we're not just receivers. We're not just consumers. but we're in this together. Would you stand? As you are able. And recite this together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a great week.